I may be competitive, but I'm not at the top level. I'm still an amateur runner, and it's very important for us to remember what level we are at. You know, yeah. I'm not going to be breaking any Olympic records or anything. It's just a competition against myself. And so, you know, the overreaching part is easy to know. You know, you have this tired hum in your muscles, and you know, it gives you a feel-good factor that. probably goes away in a day or two after you eat well and you pay attention to your recovery cycle right what what you're yeah. doing for recovery yeah. but the overtraining piece is you know when you start dreading workouts when you're constantly tired you know like just getting out of bed for a run seems like a big chore like or you start fearing certain workouts right that could be when you're overtraining at least for me So you know the general maintenance is required, and I feel conditioning is that maintenance that you give to your body. You need right. to work on the muscles that you don't necessarily engage, but that are required to support your body. Uh, so you know, think of your body as a pillar, and you know your shoulders, back, your stomach muscles, and your hips are the basic foundation of your pillar uh, right. that you need to. Support. And a lot of the conditioning work. for a runner or a cyclist actually go should go into that domain is a fun fact you know paula radcliffe when she set when she set the back then world record before bridget cosgi broke it she ran it on the second day of her periods and had menstrual cramps we've been taught that if you get your period you should be a vegetable that's untrue i encourage women men who have daughters who have wives mothers to get your women out encourage them to work out because it's been shown that dopamine levels serotonin levels actually improve with workout when you have your period I am Baiki Venki and this is the Working Athlete podcast. Here I talk to working athletes from all walks of life and experts from various fields to provide you with inspiration, training tips, time management and lifestyle advice. If this is something that interests you, please make sure you subscribe to the channel so that you don't miss any future episodes. Today's guest is a marathoner and a running coach with Fit Rabbits Custom Coaching. She is a performance lead with Adidas Runners. She is a co-host of Clubhouse Conversations on Amateur Running called Twenty Six Point Two. She is also a reluctant cyclist who steals all the Strava QOMs in the NCR region. Her name is Nivedita Samanta. Welcome to the Working Athlete Podcast, Nivi. It is a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for that introduction. I. I'm really glad to be here, and uh, thank you for mentioning the Clubhouse Twenty Six Point to chat that you know our mutual friend Akshay and I have started. Yes, let us start by talking about that uh, a bit. You know what is the uh, what is that all about, and how can people uh, join? It's just a fun thing, you know. Both Akshay Jaitley and I like talking about running, and you know, when we are not running, we also talk about running. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of people would identify with that. And uh, we just thought, you know, with the lockdown happening, we just thought we'd do something to just sort of, you know, talk about our mutual love for sport and uh, 
that's how the 26.2 clubhouse chat started happening and you know uh, the other reason why we wanted to do it on clubhouse was just it was just you know taxing to do something on instagram or youtube all the time you know um, clubhouse seemed easy you can just be live at, at that point of time and you, know, you listen in and you don't have to worry about um, anything being in the cyberspace you know uh, so it just seemed like a conversation to have on that platform and we've been trying to do it every fortnight so the next one is uh, next wednesday at 9 pm india time nice so 26.2 being uh, the miles of you know marathon distance in miles right yes yes brilliant brilliant all right so now when did you get into running how did it start so um running has been a part of my life since i was a child uh, my parents uh, sent me to boarding school in masuri when i was 13 years old that's when i guess the competitive love for running started because you know until that point i didn't realize that i was good at anything um really and then i went there and we had these annual athletic uh, team uh, trials and i ended up beating the fastest girl in school in a 400 meter race you know and it was completely unplanned right 13 years old don't know anything about yourself so that's where the journey really began because you know i represented the school i represented the district and then uh, the state of uttaranchal and then the state of uttarakhand um and i sort of continued you know in the middle distance 800 meters i did some bunch of 3k's and 5k's when i was 18 years old but i really ran my first um, 10k i think when i was in college in america um and then running became something that i did to uh just be stress free because as a person i'm very strung up very high energy and take a lot of stress um, very anxious about things that could happen so you know that speculative uh, nature in me just stresses me out so running was a good outlet for that you know because i was taking a lot of classes i was also working and running just seemed that sanity through all that you know insane stuff navigating in a foreign country different cultures and all of that i ran my first half marathon actually in 2010 uh, 2009 the great recession happened in america and the world and uh, so i had to come back uh, to india because no one was really hiring or wanting to pay for a work visa right um i'd gotten a job with ey but they just decided at that point of time that the international students were no longer needed um so i came back there was actually you know a really difficult period of time for me uh, just you know because everyone has these ambitions uh, when i was what 21 22 years old maybe and i honestly wanted to you know have a have this career in the us and maybe go for my mba and things like that when i came back i decided that the line of work that i was doing which was in accounting wasn't for me and so i got a job in the social sector um and i just wanted to challenge myself further you know i felt like i wasn't doing enough i felt like i was going into this downward spiral of anxiety stress depression um so i said okay i'm going to run my first half marathon you know um and that's when i ran my first half marathon which is the atl delhi half marathon um okay. and yeah so that that's when it all began 
nice nice that is that is quite a trajectory right starting from uh, school and uh, representing state and then uh, you know going to us and running continuing the running in college to basically de-stress stuff yeah. so uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, running in uh, the school level and then you know representing state uh what what uh, events did you participate in and what how was that training and stuff uh, back then looked like um it was very ad hoc you know the school i went to which is the wellam girls school in dehradun uh you know was very supported from the mindset of encouraging every girl to participate in sport Mm-hmm. um and it didn't matter what sport you played if you found something that you like doing the school would ensure that you know it found a way to support you in the highest sense right. and uh, we also had a lot of inter school participation you know but training was very ad hoc it wasn't a focused training for 800 meters right everyone had morning pt so you woke up for morning pt and you basically did no there was no concept of weight training there was no concept of following a define nutrition plan right mm-hmm. we just woke up in the morning and ran as hard as you possibly could and i think at that point of time you ran purely based on you know what you were capable of right. uh, i don't feel like there was anything that you know we followed a structured training plan per se mm-hmm. um, and i remember when i went for my first districts in dehradun there were all these girls from sports colleges and you know hard hardened athletes that probably trained for that event and then you know we were these girls who didn't even have spikes is just a worn out pair of sneakers that we wore for morning pt and we just compete and some of us did fairly well right to right. be able to represent uh, uttaranchal or uttarakhand state i ran the 800 meters and mm-hmm. i went for the north zone nationals one year and i remember you know i came last in that race because everyone else was much older i was maybe 17 years old and just the way things worked everyone was either 18 or 19 years old and we were competing with you know people that were much stronger faster trained for the event that they were running at right. but it was it was you know fun it was motivating to get out of school first of all and you know do something that's not academic related right and we got to try with our friends and you know make friends from other schools and things like that through the indian public schools conference it was a lot of fun uh, but i can't say i trained you know with a, in a focused manner right but did it change it, uh, in any way when you uh, went to college in the us and started running there as an amateur um yes um i think i became more aware of you know things like oh you should wear proper running shoes uh there is something called running form mechanics and you know there are shoes that are available to you basis you know the kind of mechanics that you have you did, and i did not know about that mm. i didn't know anything about intervals or you know just even basic just fort leg sessions right um, mm. i just happened to meet a bunch of people that also ran and we just sort of you know then maybe meet once a week for a speed workout but mm-hmm. until that time that concept was really different to me i didn't even know that you know carbs were really important to eat uh, and to refuel at the right time i mean all of that happened much later right. to be honest mm-hmm. in america also you know, we just ran for the fun of it more than anything else 
Okay, okay. So uh, when you came back and uh, started work, you said you uh, started working in the social sector. What were you doing? Um, so there is this British charity actually um, called the Duke of Edinburgh's Award. And at that point of time, they were looking for a communications uh, head for mm -hmm. their you know, India office. So okay. I ended up being that communications head. But it ended up being, you know, uh, wearing multiple hats because, you know, you know, I realized that in the social sector, there are very few people that, uh, you know, aid, you know, have had that education to be able to speak clearly, hmm. but also be able to do multiple level of tasks. So, you know, I became the IT head to an extent. I also became the volunteers in charge, you know, the HR manager in addition to all of that. But I learned a lot because there was just six people in that office. And though, you know, we reported directly to a bigger office in Sydney and, and in London, it was a lot of learning for me, mainly because, uh, you know, you learn things on the go and it was very hands-on. Um, suddenly I was interacting with business heads that donated to the charity. I was speaking with government organizations. I was speaking with other NGOs, you know, a lot of school colleges. So the interactions were very varied. And, you know, I learned a lot. I think those four years that I worked there were immensely uh, inspiring. But also, I learned a lot um, that mm. prepared me for my later job at the Vodafone Foundation um, really, really well. Right. So uh, let us talk about how you, you know, your first half marathon went and yeah. what, yeah, what was the kind of training you did and how did you go into it and how did the, that go? It's a good question. Um, at that point of time, I think Hal Higdon's plans, I think nearly every beginner runner would have followed Hal Higdon's plans. And I think that's what I did. Again, uh, I broke up my running. I have very vague recollections of this, but I remember, you know, broke up my running days into four days and those would end up being alternate days. But I tried to make, you know, my Saturday or my Sunday, my long run day. Because I remember not negotiating on the long run. I would try and just be out there and run. Um, I was, you know, I lived alone at that mm. point of time. And I didn't really know anyone who was a runner. And, you know, 2009, 2010 in Delhi, there weren't that many women outside running. Right. Um, yeah. And I remember wake up in the morning. I lived, uh, you know, in South Delhi, but it was still unsafe, considered unsafe for a woman to just be out, right? Right. Uh, but I made friends with this Ottawala and who basically lived very close to me. And he just said, you know, beta, please don't go out so early in the morning. Here's my number. Every time you need to go out, just call me and I'll come. And he had a daughter my age. And so that's, you know, he was a big help. So sweet. Uh, yeah, very, very sweet. And, you know, he drive me to Nehru Park, which is about 15 minutes ride away. And I keep all my saman in his auto and you know do my run thing and he'd wait for me and then you know take me back um right. and i think that's when uh, you know i realized that it really isn't a woman's world in terms of running because you know there'd be other people running but it was strange to run in shorts hmm. and i'd always run in shorts you know right. my upbringing and such because of my school and my college and there was a time when I started feeling awkward doing so. And mm. uh, eventually, you know, I met our friends at the Lutyens Roadrunners during one such run. 
and again a bunch you know i was the first woman in that group and they were like why are you running alone you know one of them would pick me up and drop me back after that yeah. um then i got that support group you know and you know 10 years ago to now when you see how running has evolved in our country it's get a sense of pride to see so many people outside running now um, yeah but yeah i mean the long runs were good i remember doing some interval sessions but not really i just purely was an endurance monster that ran based on endurance more than mm. anything else i think i finished in 2 hours 18 minutes if i remember that right okay yeah long time ago yeah 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 now you are at what 1 1 hour 37 minutes 1 hour 37 yes oh, awesome this awesome yeah yeah So one, you know, uh, let us expand on that bit about um, you know uh, women in sports and safety, right? Be it running or cycling, um, we tend to kind of per- uh, pursue that safety issue is at the not even back of the mind. It's always at the front of the mind. So how do you deal with it? Um. I think over the years I've just gotten used to it. Um mm-hmm. I'm often the only woman running in my group as well. Um mm-hmm. right? Or even if it's Adidas runners now we have a lot more women that come out to run. Right. Um but we always tell, you know, I tell myself to always carry my phone for instance. Um mm-hmm. it is even if I'm going in my colony, I mm-hmm. carry my phone. um just then in case you feel unsafe you just pretend that you're on a call and hmm. this is actually happened to me I, there's a forest very close to where i live and i was out on a run and suddenly this man started jogging up to my speed so i sped up and you know i can run longer right. and faster than most men right um and then he just you know, sort of overtook me and he just stood and you know just sort of stood in my way and was touching his private parts and i'm like okay i'm going to pull my phone out and pretend that i'm taking a photograph but he just turned around and went away because you know just the fact that i had my phone and i could pretend to do something gave me that sense of safety right. but i don't advise anyone to run alone i mean mm. even myself i try and run with a friend uh usually if i'm running alone i have my phone and i don't go out in the dark to run uh, mm. even now i mean right. i understand a lot of people do that because of you know the time constraints they have but i would recommend especially in delhi to run you know with a person even right. if it's another woman you know twos a crowd more than one person yeah which is very unfortunate you know i think but i think it's a global thing right it's not just specific to our country yes yes it is a global thing and it is not even just in delhi or uh, you know even in our country it's not just delhi it's uh, a, a, a friend got mugged Uh, last year and uh, you know my ride partner who i ride with every day almost uh, dp dipankar paul yeah. he got mugged his phone got uh, you know uh, phone was lost and uh, there were so many such instances that yeah. I, i now i tend to uh, make sure that i always have company uh, when i go out so it is yeah. it is not just for women so to speak you know yeah. and it is very unfortunate but you know some, sometimes uh, we got to do what we got to do right absolutely i, yeah. I, I wish 
you know, there were people that thought about things before they mugged you. I've heard of people getting mugged in breves and I've heard runners getting mugged in a trail. I mean, you wouldn't think right? It's like get, getting beaten up, phones and wallets being taken. And as runners, you don't really carry that much money, right? You just 500 to 1000 rupees. Yeah. But just the fact that you have to think about that, you know, just makes me a little upset, um, you know, and, and my work with the Adidas runners, you know, safety is of paramount importance because our runs also have to be safe spaces because there's so many people coming that haven't run before, right? So you right. need to ensure that that experience goes through, but there are always external elements because, you know, you are running out on the road and you never know what's going to happen. Best thing that you can do is, you know, prepare. Right, right, right. So you, you kind of mentioned about... Uh, you know, not knowing anything about form mechanics or anything like that uh, when you were uh, running in college and then, uh, you know, your first marathon and all. So how how important is that and what what does that mean, the form mechanics? What are the things that one needs to kind of keep in mind? So, you know, I'm going to be very basic over here. I think a running form means you need to run in a certain way to avoid injuries for a longer period of time right, right. the piece about efficiency uh, longevity and all of that is very technical but you know if i am feeling some sort of aches and pains at the end of every run there's probably something wrong that i'm doing in the way i'm running hmm. um, and that's the way i sort of tell a lot of people right if your knees are hurting there needs to be some amount of conditioning work that needs to happen um i feel you know running or cycling irrespective of what sport you do some basic conditioning is required um, to ensure that you know you're running for a longer period of time or cycling for a longer period of time so for me form is actually very important when i started running i would land heavily on my feet I would always be breathless, right? And I'd have this constant pain on the outside of my knee. And I ended up realizing that my IT band was too uh, uh, flared up. And that was because my, you know, hips and glutes were too weak. So, yeah. you know, just that basic information to strengthen myself. And my arms, you know, I used to sort of keep them and cross them across my chest. And then I soon realized that that was just making breathing harder. So, mm. you know, trying to keep shoulders relaxed, just, you know, just below your, I tell people, you know, you should keep it uh, next to your last ribs of your rib cage and, you know, just keep your shoulders straight and you think someone is pulling you by the top of your head to keep your spine straight. Uh, mm. Because I used to get a lot, I still have, you know, my shoulders tighten up because A, I take too much stress and B, because I'm sometimes run hunched over when I'm, you know, feeling like the workout is too hard. Um, right. So just easy breathing patterns and conditioning has helped uh, me do that. But again, you know, for a beginner to get into all of that, I'm not sure you should. I think you should just, you know, yeah. first run a lot more and maybe just, you know, get into conditioning once or twice a week, but don't yeah. overthink it. You know, I see people like with all these gadgets, uh, you know, and they're running a 5K marathon, right? Yeah. And... So then my advice to them is, you know, you're overdoing it. Just keep it yeah. simple. I'm all about the simplicity of running because, you know, honestly, it takes a pair of shoes. And if you don't want to wear shoes, you can still go out and just, just run. Right. It's right. not that difficult. Yeah. So uh, when you talk about, but still they got to keep in mind that, uh, you know, 
there are no so, uh, aches and pains at the end of it if there is yeah. uh, too much of something uh, they got to look at what is wrong with them maybe consult someone experienced and you know take help uh, when it comes to that i guess right absolutely and uh, one of the other things is you know sometimes lower back pain a lot of runners get with the because they've run their shoes for too much of a mileage right okay so um, i mean that's happened to me and i a bunch of people that i work with i realized that you know they've done about 1200 kilometers on a pair of shoes that are meant to do only 600 kilometers and okay. you just make a basic change of a shoe uh it can get as simple as that right you get a okay. more comfortable new shoe and you will feel the bounce back and your lower back will probably feel a little less stress you know just just a small okay. out of the observation right. that i've sort of so the running shoes and the uh, and its wear how does this affect uh, so does it change the posture and stuff no it's just see the shoes the cushioning of the shoes is uh, designed to brace you from that impact right yeah. now think of it like an engine uh, you know the a, a car's tires if you constantly keep wearing them wearing them wearing them and you get a puncture and you still keep you know going the tires going to burst right mm. uh, so the same analogy on to a pair of shoes you constantly wearing them wearing them wearing them and then you know the cushioning is sort of wearing out and that impact is coming onto your body uh, especially your knees and your lower back that's when most people start feeling the effort of a run a lot more right uh, but you know you fix the puncture you you know get new tires and you're right. sorted right right yeah that's a good analogy there right so um, you you mentioned about uh, conditioning right so what sort of uh, uh, weight training or conditioning strength and conditioning do you do and you know how is that important for runners so um i'm going to answer this in two ways uh first is uh, a little more gender specificity so you know it's increasing research is indicating that women respond better to higher weight power strength uh work um and this is something that i've only really applied into myself over the last say 12 to 14 months mm-hmm. which basically means i'm lifting heavier weights uh but doing fewer reps uh okay. and i'm as a marathon runner you know it's really hard to do that level of intensity more than once a week um okay. and right now i'm training for a marathon i'm hoping it will happen in october um so right now even if i'm running 6 days a week i'm still fitting in that one per week a power strength class just you know focusing on uh my weaker areas but also strengthening you know ensuring my running body is sort of uh, you know involves a lot of deadlifts it involves pushups it involves chest press it involves single leg you know s- split squats very basic it's not you know uh yeah very fancy exercises very basic exercises but focused at you know making sure my form is correct my breathing is right and i'm putting in that amount of resistance to have that benefit as a woman um now coming to the more you know general conditioning strength work um you know whether it's cycling or running you know constantly utilizing the same set of muscles 
you know, my my friend Anubhav Karmakar and I don't know if you've interviewed him. He actually taught told me this. You know, that engine analogy is actually you know his that we were speaking, and he was like, you know, think about you know your engine sort of running, running, running without you sort of giving it that uh, uh, service, right? Yeah. Something happened to it, so you know the general maintenance is required, and I feel conditioning is that maintenance that you give to your body. You need yeah. to work on the muscles that you don't necessarily engage, but that are required to support your body. Um, so you know, think of your body as a pillar, and you know your shoulders, back, your stomach muscles, and your hips are the basic foundation of your pillar um, yeah. that you need to support and. a lot of the conditioning work for a runner or a cyclist actually go should go into that domain you know the leg strength is another aspect of it but if you don't have that basic pillar strength you will tend to feel a lot of you know uh, deficiencies in terms of you know muscular strength but also may start getting niggles you know lower back niggles are common uh when you're riding for longer period of time you may start you know feeling pulls on your stomach i know a lot of runners that get abdominal pulls when doing speed effort right and right. that's purely coming from the fact that your foundation isn't strong enough right. um so at least you know my fit rabbits coaching i get my clients to do you know some sort of pillar strength at least twice a week mm-hmm. and you know the leg strength piece you know falls into a part of it on another day um mm. but you know the pillar strength work is a non negotiable thing i mean so what what sort of uh, exercises do you suggest for pillar strength so to speak so the plank is great mm. uh, a lot of us actually i'll give a tip on this you know a lot of us do our plank with the hands joined mm. i would recommend you to keep your hands shoulder width apart right yeah. because when you engaging your entire set of muscles from your shoulders to to your hip uh, in supporting your body weight um, the plank is great side plank push ups uh, you know bench dips it doesn't have to be too complicated if you just mm-hmm. sort of hold a plank and do some leg raises on a in a side plank that's a great movement irrespective of you know whether you're a cyclist a swimmer or a runner um um deadlifts are great again uh and then you know i do i love the swiss ball i think everyone should own a swiss ball because you can do the plank there with your legs on top of the ball and your hands on the mat or vice versa you know keep your legs yeah. on the mat and uh, a swiss ball is great for that because you can also do alternate hand alternate leg movements so like a bird dog um is great to do um push i like push ups a lot and you know uh, i feel push ups can get overtly complicated with all you know people doing all these explosive push ups and no just do a basic push up if you can just yeah. do in you know, a 15 reps of 4 sets that's probably enough for you um, to to continue the sport that you're doing yeah yeah and uh, talk about leg strength um leg strength is actually you know has to be sport specific right mm-hmm. uh, a sprinter would have an entirely different uh, uh, set of uh, explosive strength that he or she needs to work on but i think us marathoners and endurance cyclists probably you know need to ensure that we are loading our quads right uh, we're doing enough calf strength work hamstrings glutes so i love hip bridges and vari- variations of hip bridges because 
it targets your lower back and you know the glute strength so you know i i do hip bridges you know with both feet on the mat i do hip bridges on a swiss ball i do hip bridges with a hamstring curl mm-hmm. i do single leg hip bridges i love hip bridges um yeah. you know and a lot of my uh, coaching also get gets people to do hip bridges because is that one exercise that sort of ensures to get your hips bulletproof um yeah. you know um squats are great lunges uh i know a lot of people have love hate relationship with lunges uh especially because a lot of it is in the same movement plane as as you run in or cycle it so i'm a huge fan of side lunges you know uh, or curtsy lunges where you're moving on a different plane Mm-hmm. and strengthen your inner thigh muscles and you know cyclists and runners cyclists more so you know your inner thigh abductors and adductors get a beating from sitting on the saddle for so long mm-hmm. um so lunges are great sumo squats are great to ensure you you know giving those muscles uh, some love runners must do calf raises um and i learned this the hard hard way actually you know when i was training for the berlin marathon in 2018 i got plantar fasciitis mm-hmm. and that was purely because i wasn't paying enough uh, attention to calf strength mm. um and so the sports doctor that i go to dr chandan chavla um he just recommended me some crazy amount of uh, calf raises i think i was doing about 100 calf raises in different formats you know toes pointed forward toes pointed uh, you know away from your body toes pointed towards your body um just walking i also had to put dumbbells that were you know 20 kg each on you know above each leg and do sitting calf raises but it changed my you know entire running for me um and now i'm just you know doing them twice a week as part of either warm up or cool down not with mm-hmm. the weights but you know just mm-hmm. the basic work and i haven't felt as fit i am feeling now just because you know i'm doing those 3 days of you know some sort of conditioning work and i sure. i highly recommend it i've i've really benefited from it personally yeah yeah definitely it you know i realized uh, that as well you know the hard way and actually i spoke to anubhav on this podcast uh, it was, his was uh, the fifth episode i guess uh and he talked a lot about the strength and importance of strength and conditioning and how uh you know maintaining that engine you know is very important it is um, uh, you know when i was doing my coaching certification about 5 years ago i came across this fact uh your arms swing about 15000 times during the course of a marathon and this is the data from an elite or a sub elite level runner right? Uh, right who's finishing a race in you know less than 3 hours uh yeah. for 2 yeah. hours 45 minutes but if you think of you know someone like myself who's not nearly as fast i'm probably swinging my arms for longer sure. um and it's not just the arm swing right when you every time you swing your arm you engage your uh abdominal muscles you engage your shoulder muscles and your back muscles um yeah. so just about the amount of beating just you know your upper body gets from the running fields right and uh, uh you know if, if you're not giving that level of conditioning work it it becomes really really hard uh, to keep it sustainable you know i mean i've been running since i was 13 years old i'm now 35 and a half years old and i can't say i've been injured severely and i'm bragging a little bit here in the last uh, 7 8 years mainly because i've constantly been working on the conditioning piece 
yeah yeah that that is very important right so not talk, and since you mentioned injuries and which seems to be a part and parcel of all the athletes life how do you kind of deal with the uh, how do you first of all recognize that it is an injury we tend to kind of uh, uh, brush it aside brush it aside uh, saying it's just a niggle it will be all right until it becomes super bad so how do you uh, recognize it early and then how do you deal with once you are injured how do you get back into the sport so personally and with you know professionally when i'm working with people i have uh, a pain threshold limit uh, mm. when it comes to things like this Yeah. you know if it's a one or a two uh, look back at how much warm up or cool down i mean on a scale of uh, 10 if it's a one or a two just look back to see did you skip something in your warm up or your cool down are you skipping your recommended strength routine mm. um, yes then go back and do it um, okay. i've heard a lot of people have issues at least over the last year and a half on knees and backs so you know and sometimes that pain threshold is a 5 or a 6 So mm. then I asked the person, "Are you sitting for longer? Were mm. you paying attention to your running posture, uh, sitting posture? How often were you getting up from your chair while you were sitting? Mm. Uh, and then, if you were running on the treadmill, because a lot of us have been doing that, how much of a warm up and cool down did you do? Mm. Um, you know, and often the gaps get plugged over there. But if something's a six and above on the pain threshold, and it's happened." more than say two days or three runs in a row uh then i'd say okay you need to go see a sports physio because it sounds like it's something serious and probably is nothing right it could just be a sprained muscle but mm. then instantly you know i'd probably advise myself and someone else that okay take a recovery day maybe rest if pain is too much but go see someone who specialized in uh, you know dealing with this sort of pain right uh yeah. on that piece often leads to a lot of uh, heartbreak right because there's so many doctors and physios that will probably prescribe you uh, medicines and say don't run or don't cycle mm-hmm. um right and you know it's really difficult for someone who's just starting out um uh, uh right if, if it's a runner's knee right i think the only way to cure a runner's knee is to run but you mm-hmm. know run in a smarter way avoid harder surfaces mm-hmm. um and i i get a lot of beginners as my clients and runners knees often the you know the most basic injury anyone's going to get because your body's just not used to it what is uh, runners knee where where does the pain appear okay so the pain happens on the front of your knee mm-hmm. and it'll happen every time you know you start running and okay. sometimes it goes away after your body is warmed up a little bit mm-hmm. and then there's excruciating pain after you're done Okay. Uh, you know it hurts to climb stairs it hurts to climb down stairs hmm. and the only reason it's happening is because your body is not body's joints especially around the knees are not trained to take that much load hmm. um, you know and we often run on concrete or the road um, because parks are harder to get come come to or it's boring to run inside a park because there are too hmm. many people but the other part is you know some people have not run ever in their life they've not played any form of sport and suddenly you are running yeah. uh, so obviously your body is going to sort of complain and protest really loudly yeah. and often that's the reason why and you know often the cases 
take down your load, you know, run for less time, but run on soft ground, do some conditioning exercise. And it always comes back to that, you know, yeah. it also happens because your hips aren't used to also doing that work. It's not just knee specific. Your yeah. ankles don't have that mobility that it requires to be powering your body. So, you know, hmm. quick fixes in the hip strength, glute strength and the ankle uh, mobility piece. And it often works, but patience yeah. is key with injuries. Yeah. You have to be really, really patient. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, you know, one thing that struck me when you were uh, uh, talking about how do you identify and one of the questions you mentioned was uh, how, how long do you sit and uh, how often do you get up and all those questions. Because I used to suffer, I, I think I still uh, a little bit with very tight hips, right? Yeah. And uh, one thing that I realized is maybe I'm sitting for so long and that is resulting. So I got myself a standing desk, which is yeah. uh, that that helps a bit. But I need to remember to, you know, take those breaks and stand and work, right, for, uh, you know, some time. So that I, I need to, you know, uh, put a note here or something where I can say, okay, stand and do some work, uh, standing work for so and so time and stuff like that. But thanks so for that. I worked, you're welcome. I worked, I'm working with a client, you know, he's been training with me for about two and a half years now and he has tight hips. So, you know, like a very annoying coach, what I did was I sent him calendar requests every 40 minutes. For the first month, right? It takes 30 days, days to make something a habit. So right. every day he had this annoying calendar note. Every 40 to 45 minutes, get up and walk, you know? But right. he used to hate me that one month. He used to be like, maybe I hate your reminder. <laughs> you have the option to decline the calendar invite. But he chose not to. So, I mean, you know, you're doing it. But, you know, now his hips are stronger than ever. And he's telling everyone you shouldn't be sitting for so long. So, you yes. know absolutely yeah yeah that is that is very important because that is that is the i heard something like you know that's the new epidemic uh you yeah. know something so, like that that is taking away sitting, the lifestyle yeah sitting is the new uh smoking ah correct sitting is the new smoking because that's contributing to the ill health of so many people yeah. I think if I remember the data, right, some 87 percent peop people go to doctors for help with hip and back related issues, as opposed to some. I can't remember the smoking data, but I remember this data because I was like, "Wow, I did not know this." Yeah, that that is that is a another reminder for myself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Great. Now let us uh, talk a little bit about the hydration and nutrition aspect of uh, running and training. So mm -hmm. what, what sort of um, hydration uh, and nutrition do you take care while training or, or uh, uh, how does it change for a race? Yes, again, I'm gonna answer this question two parts, gender specificity and uh, otherwise. So women, as I have discovered, are more susceptible to dehydration. Mm -hmm. And I only discovered this about two years ago when I read a book. Uh, mm -hmm. It's the book called Roar by Dr. Stacy Sims. Mm -hmm. And 
she's a you know a leading researcher in women's physiology and sport um okay. and that book actually opened my eyes when it came to women specific nutrition and hydration um mainly because you know the menstrual 50% of the world's population you know menstruates but nobody yeah. really wants to talk about Probably. you know how important the nutrition and hydration aspect of it is yeah. so this book actually opened my eyes in that front um you know training through your period training when you're not don't even have your period but are in a high hormone phase right the nutrition mm. and the hydration changes uh, and that's something that i didn't know so you know and i've just about learned about it and you know i'm on a crusade to sort of educate more and more people about it um but you know so women are more susceptible to dehydration uh women also during certain high hormone phases find it more difficult to digest carbs and protein so mm. especially for endurance athletes um uh, if you don't fuel within a certain window uh if you're a woman it's counterproductive because then your body sort of goes into survival mode and taps into your fat stores when you wouldn't essentially want to do that um okay now let me take a step back dehydration is something that i've always struggled with um mm. uh, you know i'm constantly dehydrated because i have a high metabolism and you know everything just burns faster so for me hydration is key i think i need to drink my 6 liters of water especially you know in the weather right now even if i'm not running uh you know and when you think of it it's a lot of water for someone that weighs only 48 kilos but there and then i see you reaching for your water bottle uh thanks for reminding you're welcome um and you know 2% loss of body weight because of dehydration can actually cause memory loss uh blackouts and things like that i've actually had a close friend sort of had a blackout because he wasn't hydrating enough and we had to rush him to the hospital a couple of years ago mm-hmm. um and now you know coming to the sport specific piece uh hydration doesn't just mean water right. it also when you sweat you sweat uh sodium out and a bunch of other electrolytes so you need to ensure that you're you know replenishing on the go and don't wait for your workout or your run or your ride to be done to do so um so you know preparation is key when it comes to hydration um for i recommend a lot of people go to sleep in a super hydrated state Uh, especially you know if you are running in hotter and humid climates that's nearly every city in india right mm. or town um i recommend you know taking a salt capsule or you know making a concoction of just you know nimbu pani with some honey in it and some black salt and drinking that before you go to sleep i mean it sounds nonsensical right but if you drink that extra amount of water you your body doesn't crave for extra water uh, when it wakes up in the morning you're going to sleep you know in a hydrated state you wake up and you drink another glass of water that's what i do and if mm-hmm. i have a hard run it often includes electrolytes as well mm. but um, don't you don't you um, have to kind of wake up in the middle of the night if you uh, drink and sleep so here's the thing i have two dogs and one mm-hmm. of them uh, demands he's a spoiled brat and he demands breakfast at 2 o'clock in the morning um so i anyway have to wake up you know so my my body clock is set in such a way that you have to wake up but listen i tell everyone that i rather wake up in the middle of the night for that you know 5 to 7 minutes that it takes um mm-hmm. then 
suffer on the run the next day. Okay. Uh, that's my logic, and I've you know made my peace with it, and it's okay. actually worked. You know, um, mm. I wake up, I don't have to drink that extra water. I just drink enough to plan for my run, and you know, um, I drink every three kilometers. So whether it's carrying a hydration pack on me with my salt capsules, or if it's you know keeping a hydration pack with water and and also electrolytes, or carrying a gel. Uh, okay. Women need at least hundred calories. for every 70 to 75 minutes of activity uh, especially mm. if it's high intense um, and this actually i did not know about and i need to talk about you know my 2019 boston marathon uh, effort where i ended up losing so much muscle mm. that i started to worry you know i'm eating but why am i losing so much and i realized that i wasn't because i was training in the winter mm. i wasn't fueling enough during the uh, Uh, run, and uh, right after I would often wait up to an hour to refuel. Okay, yeah. And it just turns out that you know that thirty minute window for a woman is extremely important, irrespective of where you are in your menstrual cycle. Right, mm. you need to get those carbs and protein in you within the forty minutes. Uh, and I believe for you know men, it can go up to four hours, but it is recommended. For you know maximum benefit if you're a marathoner to fuel within the hour. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but, even, I mean, I I would I would keep it within thirty minutes for either men or women actually in that sense because your body is uh, in that depleted state it needs the fuel. Yeah. It does, and within that thirty minute window is actually the best time to restore glycogen stores. and there's a lot of research that's gone into that you know and there's a reason why people say you know carry a banana or carry some fruit with you when you're going somewhere because that's the mm-hmm. easiest way to sort of get those 100 calories in you um, right yeah. until you maybe get better food source yeah um the other piece is protein uh in india due to you know the nature of our diets we don't eat enough protein it doesn't come naturally to us to eat protein um mm. you know, when you look at an average breakfast whether it's a dosa with idli sambar uh, you know that's carbohydrate rich it's you know rich in the good fats as well but where is the protein there um and women actually need that additional amount of protein to ensure that you know i mean all of us go through that you know, muscle depletion but to ensure that you know your basics are uh, hormonally are in check you need to take that 2.2 to 2.5 grams per kilogram of uh, body weight of protein mm-hmm. and when you think about it it's a lot of protein to take even right. you know for someone like me so i actually the think the best way to do it is you know measure how much you're eating for a week just mm. put in everything uh the healthify me app is probably the best app there is from the indian context to be able to do that mm. and then you'll quickly find where you're going wrong if you know for me if i think okay you know i like my idlis and dosas but i can also eat an egg i need two boiled eggs uh to supplement that protein source but i also take whey protein right mm. i take that you know right after my workouts and i also take a scoop of protein before i go to sleep okay um i 
find that the easiest way to sort of ensure that my daily stores are happening but i'm also non vegetarian so you know yeah. during the day so i'm ensuring i'm eating maybe i need to eat more eggs or chicken or fish uh, during the day maybe twice you know mm-hmm. to ensure but that's not to say that vegan diets are not rich in protein um yeah. you know i've been increasingly eating uh, animal protein only maybe twice so for two or three meals in a week uh mm-hmm. in an effort to you know be a little more climate conscious mm-hmm. um but you know the beans uh, hummus hummus yeah. carrots cucumbers are actually my favorite snack yeah as almond butter with toast it oh, you yeah. know rich in protein carbs and salty and makes you feel good yep 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 great so um, how does how does this uh, kind of uh, uh change when it comes to race specificity so you are in a half marathon or a marathon how do you hydrate and how do you uh, take care of the nutritional needs that is a bit of trial and error for everyone and i'm mm. going to begin with that because you know there's lots of people that will say oh you need to take something every 40 minutes some people will say that's too soon you need to take 60 minutes you need to try out during training ideally i would say try out you know at least 4 to 5 weeks before a race mm. uh go over your nutrition plan um i like to for a marathon take six gels mm-hmm. um you know and i time to take it every 40 to 45 minutes sometimes i mean i have run a race but i haven't needed the sixth gel uh mm. but i go Is planned yeah it's in case i needed in case something something goes horribly wrong right. i um drink water during the race but i carry my salt capsules with me um you mm. know the univet uh, salt capsules just go into my race pouch and i take one every hour of activity irrespective okay. of how cold or hot it is um mm. and that's something that works for me i have a high sweat rate you know right. and we often don't realize that if you're running a cold race you still do get dehydrated and mm. it's important for us to remember that because often we're traveling to compete in colder climates mm-hmm. um other than that the pre race fueling is very very important uh, i would say start carb loading two days before and it you know carb loading doesn't mean keep putting gluten inside you it just that leads to an inflamed bowel and you will have a bowel distress so i tend to go for thai food asian food it just goes better with me you know my favorite meal before race is either a fish curry and rice or some sort of a curry and rice you know not pasta um yeah. just works for me better you know mm-hmm. um and then when i wake up i ensure i eat a heavy breakfast uh, especially before a marathon um uh, at least 2 hours before you know it's often overnight soaked oats uh with fresh uh, fruit and mm-hmm. you know i do put in some chia seeds as well and if i'm feeling too nervous to eat that uh you know my husband makes a smoothie to ensure i put that into my system and if i'm going to the race start i just keep you know make sure i finish it before i get out of the car if i'm running in delhi yeah uh i recommend everyone should carry you know about 250 ml to 400 ml of water when they go to a race because there people get dehydrated you know and a lot of us have that pre race anxiety it helps to also combat the stress by constantly sipping but you need to get in at least 200 ml of electrolytes you know within 15 to 20 minutes before your race starts it actually helps uh mm-hmm. because you can avoid the uh fuel stop in the 5k mark when it gets very crowded 
Um, and I've actually tried it, you know, I've carried a small water bottle with me for the first 10, 12 kilometers and thus haven't needed to stop in the water stops. You know, the first 10K of a marathon often gets crowded, especially if you're running a world marathon major. So, you know, you can plan it in a way that uh, you don't have to make that stop in the first 12 to 13K. And then along the way, you sort of plan when you're going to stop. It's really painful to drink from those cups, um, especially if you're running competitively, right? Um, yeah. So uh, my discovery through self-experimentation has been that I can't just plan a stop, you know, every 5K or every four kilometers. I try and get a sip of water at every stop, you know, because mm -hmm. it's not much. The plastic cup anyway, like the paper cup will anyway sort of slosh. So you just yeah. get in you need and when you need to take a gel then you know maybe grab get the gel in you before you hit the water stop and then grab two cups and then sort of you know yeah. chug that down as fast as you can yeah. um that's about it Pre post race you know a lot of us don't really get time to eat anything because you know you're in the celebration zone and you don't care if your glycogen depleted because the goal is done yeah um but you know post race most people do give you a beverage to drink uh, drink that yeah. if you can and then eat as soon as you can but I think on the race day you have to try what you're gonna eat I've seen so many people sort of you know think oh we're gonna get the gels in the uh, packet and we'll just try with that don't do that you don't know if it's gonna suit you uh, right. different gels, uh, have different consistency and you need to try that um, in practice yeah yeah yeah, no, no, that was very uh, informative, right? So going back to a little bit of training and women's specificity, you mentioned about uh, the menstrual and hormonal changes um, mm -hmm. of women, right? So how do you um, uh, take that into consideration when training and uh, stuff? Thank you for asking that question. So um, the first, you need to track your period cycle. Um, I use the Fitter Woman app, F-I-T-R. Um, it's free. It's easily available. It basically, you know, you enter your period cycle when you get your periods. And the cool part of it is, you know, it's predictive. So over time, it predicts where you are going to be on your cycle. And it also recommends, uh, you know, snacks and meals that you should be eating. This is what part of your menstrual cycle you're in. So now, um, here's a fun fact, you know, Paula Radcliffe, when she set, when she set the back then world record before Bridget Kosge broke it, she ran it on the second day of her periods and had menstrual cramps. Wow. So, and then, you know, we've been taught that if you get your period, you should be a vegetable. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's untrue. I encourage women, men who have daughters, who have wives, mothers to get your women out, encourage them to work out because it's been shown that dopamine levels, serotonin levels actually improve with workout when you have your period. Menstrual cramps is something, unfortunately, that we have to deal with, but there are ways to deal with that are anti-spasm medication that you can take. Mm -hmm. um, again, don't go out there and run a 10K if you're not used to it. You know, slowly break your body into it. I recommend, you know, working out every day uh, yeah. of your period. It, it, it will help you immensely. Now, um, the week before you get your period is actually the worst when it comes to training. Um, mm -hmm. Because, you know, hormones sort of 
fluctuate there's a lot of inflammation in the body and hard workouts seem really really hard to do uh so you know basis what cycle you are at you know from your period and for the next say two and a half to three weeks is actually the strongest time for your body um teachers have indicated that you know in terms of strength a woman is at 80 percent capacity in comparison to a man um in the first two weeks um which is really amazing right because then it just dramatically falls in the high hormone phase when the female hormones sort of take control um so you know the first two and a half three weeks consolidate on your training do your hard efforts um it's okay to take a few days easy in the week when your high hormone phase is actually happening um you know if if you have really hard efforts uh, planned maybe for example say if you have 10 repeats of 400 tone that down to maybe 5 repeats of 400 or 6 repeats of 400 followed by some 200s just to ease into it and if you don't want to do the intervals it's fine you're not going to sort of you know miss out on your training block if you miss two or three days um and i think us women are really hard on ourselves when you're training competitively um yeah. and it's very important to sort of take it easy and it's really hard even for myself right because i'm so competitive as a person it's really hard for me to suddenly say okay i can't skip this yeah you know push through the pain and then still have a shitty workout anyway when i could have just had an easy workout and not beaten myself about it Right. but you know it's it's a learning in process and i think it's important to keep that in mind and uh, yeah that's about it and just you know watch what you're eating um it's too complex for me to share you know what you should be eating what uh just do a little bit of research feel free to reach out to me to sort of guide you on that front uh, right nice that that kind of makes sense right and uh, you know talking about Uh, being hard on ourselves and you know pushing through pains and stuff uh, when we are training at top level and uh, you know when you are as competitive as you are uh, um, it is not easy to figure out whether we are overreaching which is uh, supposed to be good for training uh, or overtraining which is basically uh, you know digging yourself a hole so how do you identify whether you are overreaching or overtraining and how do you kind of so for me it's very intrinsic um hmm. because i am so passionate about you know running and i really enjoy cycling you know i've been consciously trying to do that once a week but i'll give you an example i haven't cycled in the last two weeks hmm. because i've been ramping up my own mileage and i haven't felt motivated to cycle because it's been on a assigned rest day or a recovery day right so i haven't done it because i wasn't motivated to so for me maybe that was me overtraining because i've never cycled through a marathon cycle training cycle before right so for me i think maybe that was my overtraining zone where i felt that there was lack of motivation and i didn't want to do it i mean i wasn't looking forward to it um but again you know i may be competitive but i'm not at the top level i'm still an amateur runner and it's very important for us to remember what level we are at you know yeah. i'm not going to be breaking any olympic records or anything it's just a competition against myself right. um and so you know the overreaching part is easy to know you know you have this tired hum in your muscles and you know it gives you a feel good factor that probably goes away in a day or two after you eat well and you pay attention to your recovery cycle right what what you're yeah. doing for recovery 
Yeah. But the overtraining piece is, you know, when you start dreading workouts, when you're constantly tired, you know, like just getting out of bed for a run seems like a big chore, like, or you start fearing certain workouts, right? That could be when you're overtraining, at least for me, you know, I just get a general lack of motivation to do that. Right. Yeah, that's, that's something that is uh, important to kind of observe for yourself. Why am I feeling low or, you know, not motivated to get out? Uh, is it that I have done, you know, push myself too much or, you know, all these things you have to kind of uh, observe for yourself. If you have a coach, talk to that person and, you know, bounce off ideas and see what is wrong and then take a corrective action accordingly. Often yeah. a dip of energy could be like, you know, low vitamin D or B12 that has happened as a result of the training that you're doing. But that's not to say you've been overtraining. It just mm -hmm. means to say that your body is just under stress and you need to have the necessary supplements to sort of, you know, take action mm -hmm. for that. Because a lot of us just keep running, running, running without focusing on the eating and the recovery piece that leads us into that big black hole, right? right. That becomes very difficult too. But it, like you said, you know, reach out to someone. A lot of us have support groups, you know, yeah. just, uh, but more than that, be honest with yourself. Yeah. You know, if you think you're pushing yourself too much, there's a, there's a brain, you know, inside your head that will, you know, tell you that, yes, you're overtraining. If you just ask itself and yeah. are prepared to listen to the criticism, right? Yeah. Uh, very important to be your own critic, I think. Yeah. Right. Since you mentioned cycling, so <laughs> how, you know, uh, how, when did you kind of start cycling? When? So, well, I got my road bike last September. Hmm. I mean, I cycled as a child, but, you know, that wasn't yeah. the same kind of cycling, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, a lot of people were like, oh, don't get cleats and, you know, first get used to the cycling bit. But, you know, I'm the, but I have to look the part, you know, I'm like, you know, I have a reputation to maintain and I can't just be seen like, you know, in this, uh, no cleats, just sneakers. What do people think? Like, you know, the coach for Adidas runners and Fit Rabbits doesn't know how to cycle. So, you know, there again, the competitive side came into uh, me. And so my husband actually started cycling uh, when the lockdown happened last year. Mm -hmm. 2020 um he's always been a gym person and uh, you know he wanted to cycle and we went to the cycle shop and i was like, okay get a hybrid and because you know i didn't he, this guy had never done endurance sport in his life but he really enjoyed it he got a road bike and then three months later he got a better road bike um but you know a month of him cycling i said okay you know i think this is something that even i can do on my re rest and recovery days and just seemed like a cool thing to do together. So that's where it started from. And then all this the cycling group, Delhi Velo, uh, basically now then they were like, oh, Nivi, you know, there are these comms that you have to chase and you know, leaderboards, travel segments. So now every day, every time I head out for a recovery ride, they're like, oh, let's do this call. I'm like, guys, it's my recovery day. But they're like, yeah, but see, look at the speed. I said, fine, I can do it. Because it doesn't seem that difficult to do, you know? I mean, unfortunately, women's cycling standards are not very great and rosy at least in Delhi and CR um, at least on the Strava segments that I have been to I must be right. very careful um, yeah. on this aspect. Um, but it's been fun you know it's it's challenging because it's something you have to employ new muscles and mm. uh, pay attention to things that I haven't paid 
attention to before, right? Because the cycling form as well, you know, you have to sit a certain way and that engages different muscles. So sometimes when I'm doing my conditioning work, I have to now do some cycling specific conditioning as well. Right. But it, it's been fun. Um, I'm terrible at hills, hmm. um, but I'm hoping that, you know, if I do well in the October race, I'll take a few months off and focus more on cycling. Yeah, what, what do you mean terrible at hills, uh, not enough QAMs? No, I just can't go up a hill. I mean, I would probably be faster jumping off the bike and running up with the cycle next to me than actually cycling up a hill. And oh. Delhi doesn't have hills, you know, it's just, um, it's not even a hill. I mean, I have all these guys telling me, but that's not a hill. It's, it's, I mean, it's just a slope. It's just, yeah, just it, go up. Yeah, Delhi doesn't have hills. It doesn't have hills, yeah. Come, so, come, come here, we'll show Let's go up Nandi Hills uh, together. Uh, yeah. Um, I've heard the reputation of Nandi Hill. I think I'll just stay on foot uh, <laughs> with Nandi Hill. But it's been fun, you know. It's It's been really nice to do something with my husband as well because, you know, he's not been a sports person. So it's always been him complaining about me waking up in the mornings mm-hmm. and, you know, not being mm-hmm. able to do late nights because marathon training is a sacrifice on social life, right? right. Um, but now, you know, he's also waking up with me and then there are days when I'm sleeping in because it's my recovery day and he's going out. So it's been really nice to sort of, you know, have this new change in our lives thanks to covid Mm. Um, that we're able to sort of pursue in a positive way. Nice, nice. Do you, do you see yourself uh, cycling more in future or how is that? Um, so the, the Delhi Velo members would like me to quit running for a few months and train properly because they believe that I'm national champion material. But um, mm-hmm. I think they're thinking too highly of me and just motivating me to be competitive. But we'll see. We'll see yeah, yeah. how Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know a few of them uh, uh, who are really data nerds and uh, uh, like people like uh, Dugal, uh, yes, Dugal. Of course, uh, uh, he's a data nerd. If he is saying something like that, uh, there there is some substance to it. So look and see. Yeah, and I wear my chest strap during the ride, and it drives him nuts because you know he's like, "What's your heart rate?" So you know, I'll see my watch. He's like, "Don't see your watch. Like you know, you're riding. Focus on the ride." I'm like, "You ask me my heart rate, right?" Um, but yeah, he's such a data nerd. I mean, nowadays he's analyzing my HR from the runs to sort of marry that with my cycling to sort of you know uh, come up with something. He's like, "You have such a wide base. Why don't you push yourself on the ride?" I'm like, "Because it's my recovery day." Because. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that yeah. that is there, right? Recovery day needs to be recovery, otherwise you will suffer the next day. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, what is what was your uh, most memorable race so far? It has to be the Boston Marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, just there is no race like that. Just because it's like the mecca for all marathon running, mm-hmm. but more so because you know when I was sixteen years old. Um, I went to America for the first time and it was on the Boston Marathon weekend. I traveled alone uh, because I had family in Boston back then. And uh, so, you know, I arrive and they've basically blocked an entire, you know, the highway and we have to take a detour. And this is my uncle, the man because of whom I run, my father's brother. Um, and he says, oh, you know, it's the Boston Marathon. And at that time, you know, I was, I was 800 meter, 1500 meter run, just out of 10th grade. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, what's that? So then, you know, he sort of 
made a detour and sort of, sort of showed me you know the route and stuff like that and i said to him um one day i want to run this race and he said maybe you will and you know thanks to adidas that sort of materialized and uh, i trained only nine uh, weeks for it because you know i hadn't qualified i still i haven't wasn't that fast at that time to be able to qualify and adidas because of a sponsor you know gives bibs to certain deserving athletes um, mm-hmm. and i was one of them and and i'm really grateful for that but i was like okay i need to train for this because you know i can't have a shit time cuz then you know i wouldn't be able to live with myself so i trained my butt off those nine weeks um i finished 3 hours 42 which is not bad given the amount of training that i did mm-hmm. um it was it was amazing uh just i mean it's just so hard it's still the hardest race i've ever run uh because you know just when you think it's going to get easy it doesn't the, the, the newton hills are really hard especially you know we've run downhill until that point of time and the year i ran it was the year after the sub zero temperatures so they said oh, it's going to okay. rain but it didn't rain there was bright sunshine and i think about 70% humidity wow uh so when i actually got to the first of the hills i saw people being carried away in stretchers you know and i stopped i walked up that hill because i was like okay i do not want to be one of those people this is because it was so humid nobody planned for it right yeah. and nearly everyone who lives in america trained for it ran trained through the winter you're not prepared for that yeah so and then i was like okay no you can't stop you run mumbai five times you can do this it can't get worse than mumbai and then i sort of then started again and then you know there's the that screaming tunnel that sort of gets you pumped i think my heart rate touched some 202 at that point of time because my adrenaline just shoots up right right but it's incredible and uh, it started raining right right 500 meters away from the finish and i cursed the rain so much because you know you waited for the rain they said it's going to rain so you prepared for rain you know and there was no rain and yeah but it was very memorable because you know my family was there with me some of my best friends from college were there so we all celebrated afterwards it was really nice it's most memorable race i think awesome what was your fastest berlin 336 Um, nice. So Berlin, actually, that year uh, I went from a three fifty five to a three thirty six in nice. four months. That's when I was just like, okay, maybe if I focused right, actually use my own coaching method methods on myself, maybe I will have some amount of success, you know. Hmm. Um, but no, that year I followed advanced marathoning by Pete Feisinger and Scott Douglas because yeah. I wasn't confident in my own coaching abilities on myself. Mm-hmm. um but yeah uh it's it's been nice you know and i'm hoping to get far the fit, this is the fittest i've ever been i feel great um this week is the highest amount of mileage i've i will have ever done 93 mm-hmm. kilometers mm-hmm. so you know i'm really excited to see nice. where i can go so where, where what is the next marathon you mentioned chicago chicago, chicago. i had guaranteed entry because of my time Mm-hmm. um last year but okay. deferred it to this year fingers yeah. crossed it's going to happen we'll see i'm hoping to sort of you know break a yeah. sub 330 for sure maybe mm-hmm. a 320 if i can when is that scheduled 10th of october awesome awesome 12 weeks ago fingers crossed 
fingers crossed. I mean, everything crossed that it actually <laughs> happens. No point beating up the body in the Delhi heat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, what what um, inspires you to get up and train and uh, you know participate in these races? I just love running too much. Hmm. Uh, people don't want to live with me uh, in the house if I'm not running mostly because you know nothing else sort of gets me this tired and happy you know happy tired it sounds like yeah. an oxymoron but yeah because uh, during the lockdown i remember last year i didn't even have a treadmill and there were days when my husband's like can you please go shut yourself in a room you're being unbearable because this is so much energy i mean it has to go somewhere right so i think i just love running i love you know my lutrins road running uh crew i like my adidas runners crew i like my other friends that i've made through running running is such a social sport you know every day of the week you can run with someone different learn something new you know uh experience something new so i think that's what gets me going but it's just i just like it so much yeah cycling is also a social sport so just in cycling is more social than <laughs> running i would say um because you know i never really uh on a working day never really stop for coffee after a run uh, with my friends but cyclists do that so now you know some of us in the running group have also started doing it uh to meet the cycling crew because you know delhi velo and lutens road runners um are same people yeah yeah um give or take a few people so it it's fun yeah awesome so what are the some of the tips you would give working athletes to do well in sport as well as do well with work and family lives three things preparation is key uh prepare your life uh for the week beforehand uh it sounds especially if you're a working athlete have kids to manage or dogs or you know uh people to manage um uh, in general prepare for that prepare for your training for the week beforehand um i would say you know for your meals specifically because you know i tend to sort of get so carried away during the week that i struggle to eat the food that's good for me um so prepare your meals at least 2 to 3 days in advance just tell yourself and your you know people if they're helping you with this what you're going to eat um uh, then uh, finally hydrate stay hydrated it's very easy to get carried away through your hectic work week um to keep sitting and not drink enough water and you know if you go to sleep really tired without the necessary hydration your training won't go that well the next morning if you do train early in the morning mm-hmm. um the third piece is you know make it fun um it we often have stressful lives and jobs and running and cycling should be something that you're doing it for yourself on your own time spend it with people that you actually like uh because it's your time for yourself um you know and just have fun really awesome awesome it's thank been you. super fun uh, talking to you anivi uh, thank you for taking the time out and sharing your insights into various things hydration nutrition training and a whole lot of uh, fun stuff thank you thank you for coming on to the show Thank you so much Venki it's been really good uh you know and uh, here's to hopefully riding together someday but maybe running a 10k when you're in Delhi next Absolutely uh I'm not sure about uh, running but riding together <laughs> definitely <laughs> Sounds good